0: Learn more at marines.com This is Football Social Daily
1: Picture the date, it's the 11th of August, the day before the Premier League season starts and everyone's doing their predictions and everyone has Luton in the relegation zone Back down to the Championship, they said They'll get wiped away, they said But it was Brighton who they wiped away last night as the Hatters battered the Seagulls 4-0, moving out of the bottom three in the process. They had to reshape Kenilworth Road. They've had to fight away all of the critics Are they showing that fight and belief on the pitch now? And do they have a real chance of staying up in the Premier League this season? We'll talk about that on today's Football Social Daily as there was a host of Premier League fixtures last night. Arsenal keeping pace at the top of the Premier League by beating Nottingham Forest. Michael Elise showing why the big clubs are sniffing around him as his goal helped Crystal Palace secure a 3-2 victory over rock-bottom blades. And Newcastle stalling the Aston Villa title charge with a 3-1 victory at Fortress Villa Park. My name's Niall, This is
2: FSD. Welcome to the show. Joining me, as always, Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. Morning, boys. There was no, there was no intro of uh, Marley in the, um, in the Afcon there. Do you want to, do you want to redo it and improve that? Or <laughs> and joining us today, as always, Joel Tudor and Marley Two, Burkina Faso One. Yeah,
1: that <laughs> is also joining us on the podcast. That'll do. that will do.
2: <laughs> Afcon glory is coming. Although they, I'm, I'm in a. Uh, predicament now because the team I've actually put actual money on to win the tournament Ivory Coast play Mali next apparently as Joel informed me before so I can I can't win so one of my teams is going out so we'll see we'll see which one uh, which one prevails Namibia sadly have fallen
1: out of the tournament we spoke about it at the start of January Joel they were 500 to 1 to win it they did well to get through the group stages and into the knockouts but alas not meant to be I know,
0: honestly, I feel like Kate Verde might actually win it, you know. Honestly, every single one of Kate Verde's goals that I've seen, Bebe is like their talisman, which I never thought I'd see when we first signed him at Man United. Then I've been keeping another eye on the Asia Cup. And I've seen the likes of Qatar get into the quarterfinals in Japan against Bahrain tonight. Wow, Bahrain topped their group, by the way, which I did not see coming either. So there might be another little twist in that tournament as well. God, they're the tournaments where... Anyone literally could pull any ball out of the hat and you'd be like, okay, they probably have a chance of winning it this year. I think Thailand are through to the last 16. <laughs> in amongst all the chaos of AFCON and the Asia Cup,
1: it actually slipped our attention that there was a bunch of Premier League games last night. But thankfully, we're on hand pretty much every single day of the week to discuss some of them. Although I must confess, we mentioned yesterday on the podcast, Marcus Rashford being pitched in a nightclub and reporting ill for training. Well... I'm feeling like Marcus Rashford did on Friday morning, but I haven't reported unfit for training, lads. I am here. (laughs) Ever the professional. (laughs) Doing my duty as host of Football Social Daily. So we'll struggle through this together. I'm sure you can feel my pain um, as Pompey conceded a 90th minute equaliser last night. Typical
2: Portsmouth, letting everyone down, letting you down, letting me down for a few quid. I had a bet on them and they let me down. So yeah, finishing football training, being like, yeah. Portsmouth must have won because they were winning when I went in Um, and no, did
1: they Yeah. Let's move on swiftly from that and talk about a team who Portsmouth were playing not a couple of years ago. And now they are a Premier League side and that's Luton Town. Huge credit, hats off to the Hatters, not only for getting themselves back to the top flight of English football after an amazing journey, which saw them drop all the way into the non-league. You put a photo in the Telegram chat, didn't you, Marley, of their Luton's victory at Hyde United, something that you've mentioned on the podcast a few times, which was what 2014. Here we are in 2024, and they've just battered eighth place Brighton four 0 and got themselves out of the relegation zone.
2: Yeah, May May 2014 it was scorching hot day in uh, in Hyde, and um, if I remember rightly, I think Luton had already won the league. It was it was a procession basically. <clears throat> Um, and Hyde had already been relegated, so I got asked to go and film the game because uh, Luton wanted it for their their social channels and what have you, and, and to capture the um, the celebrations and stuff. And yeah, the whole the whole stadium was just Luton fans basically. Um, and yeah, it was uh, just you look at them now, and there's still players playing for them. I think like Pelly Riddick and Panzu still there. Um, and yeah, there's you know, that's just the journey they've been on. That literally semi pro level. I mean, I don't think they were ever semi pro Luton, I think they were always professional, but they were playing in a league against semi pro clubs and, you know, players with day jobs and stuff less than ten years ago and now they're, you know, tearing Brighton a new a new backside at uh, at the Kenny. Um and dragged themselves out of the relegation zone and dumped dumped Everton back into it. So, you know, it's um it's quite the journey really. You know that saying, "Don't
1: count your chickens before they hatch." I might count a couple of chickens because at the start of the season, Joel, when you all predicted Luton to go down, I said they'll have a bit more fight in them than people are giving them credit for, and I think the recruitment as well is obviously going to be important in the next day
2: or two. I'm not actually too sure who they've brought in. They've they've just signed a winger uh, from a Belgian side. I think he's I think he's Japanese. Mishioka or Hishioka or something like that I think you got him from Sanctuary Dens in Belgium so that, that sums up how slow this transfer window's been to be honest when that's the biggest news of the signing in for a couple of million quid so you both
1: predicted Luton to go down I've asked you this probably twice already this season so we'll make it a hat trick Joel
0: Changed your mind yet? No, you're reminding me of Nigel Farage when he went back to the European Commission saying, "When I last came <laughs> here, you were all laughed at me. Well, you're not laughing now, are you? That's just all I can hear in my body, If no one, if no one knows about British politics, just type in Nigel Farage, <laughs> European Commission, Brexit. Oh, it's like the that, most viral you know political clip you'll ever
1: see in your life. <laughs> even though, even though Portsmouth let in the late goal last night, I'm actually in quite a good mood today. Normally, I'd be upset at being compared to Nigel Farage, but I'll let it slide for the sake of that analogy.
2: It's Enjoyed that. It's pretty accurate, to be fair. It's one of one of Joel's better ones. He comes up with some stinkers, but that was that was a good one. It was overdue. <laughs>
0: um, no, I mean I wouldn't count it just yet. But I'm so surprised. It's, it's funny, you know, when Marley mentions the Kenny, it's almost like it's coming into its own. Or, uh, you know, like when everyone said, oh, we've got to go to the bridge and get a point, or oh, we've got to go to Old Trafford and get a point, and suddenly it's, we've got to go to the Kenny. I will not be going there on the final day trying to win the league, and they're uh, trying to stay up, because it would actually be really difficult. When you look at Luton and the big teams that they played at Kenilworth, like Liverpool, Arsenal, they've all been such close games where there's been literally margins in it in every single game. And I think we all said at the start of the season, if Luton want any kind of chance to stay up this season, home form's got to be absolutely impeccable. But you're looking at their form at the moment, you know, they've got one loss in the last five. That's staying up form. That's really good form considering when you compare it to the teams below them. So I think, honestly, overachieving is almost taking a little bit of credit away from them because they're actually overperforming, let's say. I don't think overachieving because they've earned everything that they've got so far.
1: Well, it's a good time for them to be in good form because if you look at their upcoming fixtures, they've got Newcastle next, then it's a big one against Sheffield United at Kenilworth Road before they have this horrible string of games where they've got Manchester United, Liverpool, Manchester City, Aston Villa. Then there's a couple of games against Palace and Forest before games with Tottenham and Arsenal take us into April. And then after that, they've got Man City again, but they're... Particularly their run in towards the end of the season, Marley, is actually quite favourable. Look at their final five games. They've got Wolves, Everton, West Ham, Bournemouth and Fulham to conclude the season. So this is going to be a critical period for them. I mean, it's all well and good being out of the relegation zone now, but it's so tight down there. And as Joel says, there's work still to be done.
2: Yeah, and I can see um, Wolves, I can see Luton and Everton um, leapfrogging each other week on week um, from now until the end of the season until one of them picks up you know, sort of two, three wins in a row and, and pulls himself away from it, hopefully. Um, but even to be competing going into the final 10 games, that's, that's almost a win for Luton because they were so written off. And obviously I wrote them off as well. And I think I said that they might break the points record of of Derby because they were that out of, out of the depth type of thing. But you can't overestimate the importance or underestimate the importance of just that team spirit and togetherness like they are a proper team they might not be great players individually and and all the rest of it but you know you look at the team and go well who's who's Ogbene? who's Adebayo like what these players are the sort of bottom end championship players if you look at them on paper but as a team they're a collective and you see you see big sort of good individuals go down um because they they think we're too good we're too good to to go down and then they ultimately go down like look at Aston Villa, look at Newcastle years ago. There's some huge teams that have gone down and simply just haven't come back. Um, so you look at that, and Luton have always had that that sort of um, siege mentality of well, we're just going to give everything, all we can. And I, I can't remember them being wiped away um, this season too many times, uh, losing by three or four. You look at Sheffield United, they got beat eight nil by Newcastle. They've I think they conceded four, five, and six as well at different points this season, change the manager. And it's like, it's groundhog day for them. But with Luton, it's like, sorry, we're just going to crack everyone and see what happens. Here's an interesting point, which I think would make quite a good debate.
1: And I'm keen to hear what you guys make of this. Do we maybe categorise Luton? We think of them in a certain way because of the fact you've got to walk through someone's front garden or back garden to get into the away end. The fact that they've had work done on the stadium, it's only 10,000 capacity. Stupid stuff like they play in orange and it's unfashionable. They're an unfashionable team. Do you think because of all of those factors, maybe that we're not giving the manager, Rob Edwards, enough credit and the actual style of play or the way that they're playing enough credit? Do you see what I'm trying to say? Really clunky way of describing it, but do you see what I'm I'm getting at?
2: Yeah, I think you're basically saying that the they're underestimated because of their finances and their the fact that they are probably the most out of their depth in terms of size and finances of club probably the most out of depth team that's ever played in the premier league and then they come up and they don't spend money because they haven't got money and they're not taking that big um you know that big risk as as a lot of promoted clubs do and that probably all plays into it um the setbacks they've had and stuff and where they've been cancel that out. You know, as I said we said before, ten years ago they're in the National League. Then they come up through League Two, through League One, through the championship, win the playoff final. Um and, you know, there they are competing every week with um, you know, Man City, who've just won, you know, five trophies and, and what have you and won the treble and, and everything else. So um that's all part of that's all part of what you've got to do as a promoted club and to see them, you know, get a result, a proper Standout result like the Brighton game is, um, is testament to so sort of how they've done. Like, it's nice for them to have that that'll hang on their wall as like we did that, like we, we hammered Brighton, whatever happens this season. You know, we we turned up and we played. And if you look at the game, you know, Brighton, I think Brighton thought they could play their game. And the one thing I notice about Kenilworth Road is it's so small. Um, the pitch the playing surface is so small so if you you look at the game um you look at the goal after 16 seconds it was bright and half kickoff and immediately they start pinging it around and, and passing it around and they they actually do really well bright and they, they the press comes and they pass through it really really well um and then there's one slack touch where on the amex you're not getting any, anywhere near him i think it might be billy gilmore who takes the touch and there is no way you, you're tackling him on the Amex or on the Etihad or any other stadium. But at Kenilworth Road, there's a man on top of you because the pitch is so small and they've pressed as a unit and they've pressed as a team. he took it off him. And because the press has won the ball, there's five of them like flooding forward and it ends up with um, with Adebeo taking advantage of some pretty bad goalkeeping as well by um Jason Steele. And it goes in the net and it's 1-0 after less than 20 seconds. And three minutes later, they're up 2-0. And it's practically game over then. So it's um that underestimating um approach has come to fruition by Brighton going there and not not respecting and not realising that the pitch is, is small, so they might have to change the game a bit and it might have to they might have to be aware of that. They weren't aware of it because they didn't they just didn't do the, 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 the homework almost. And Luton have went well. Fine, we'll we'll press you, and we'll get it. We won't get it. At the, we won't get it in Brighton Stadium, but we'll get it here. We'll win that ball back high up the pitch, and then we can score. And that's that's a, a team unit playing to their strength. Forest lost to Arsenal
1: last night, Joel, which means that Luton are just a point behind them with a the game in hand. They're now a point ahead of Everton, who have played a game more. Burnley. Are- quite far back. They're seven points clear of Burnley and 19th and forget about Sheffield United because they're going down. So in terms of what that result does going into this busy run of fixtures against some top teams, as I mentioned, they can feel confident three wins of their last five games and a game in hand over sides around them. So, I mean, they they their goal difference is only minus 10, which is better than
0: the likes of Bournemouth and Crystal Palace. So, There's a lot to build on and a lot to believe in there at Luton. Going into this season, like you mentioned, they've had such a narrative around them as if they've been given some golden tickets to come and play in the Premier League, forgetting that they've earned every single ounce of being there above anyone else in the Championship that season. So I think for them to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season, and also with the pending situation with Everton and Nottingham Forest, by the way, which although it seems to, everyone seems to have forgotten about it, I reckon that's going to come back with a bang in one or two months and change the whole landscape of how it looks at the bottom. So I think they'll be looking at the table thinking, if we can just stay within touching distance of Forest and touching distance of Brentford, just those teams that are one or two places above, I think they have absolutely every chance. But they need to win these games that they've got against, for example, Sheffield United. But I mean, you mentioned all the, the tough teams that they've got to play, like Manchester United, Liverpool... Uh, Aston Villa but like I mentioned at the start those t- those types of teams when they play them especially at home they don't really seem too phased it actually works in their benefit because let's not forget their fans have not t- seen these types of teams at home at their ground in it's, since forever pretty much so it's a huge occasion for them and that's why I think they have absolutely every chance this season especially with all the things that are going off off the pitch as well but I've been really pleasantly surprised I think everyone has like I said they're almost overperforming at the moment Luton Town brilliant performance they've beaten Brighton by
1: four goals to nil next we'll talk about some of the other results from last night in the Premier League as well as looking ahead to tonight's games we'll see you after this
2: we took it
0: all
1: This is FSD, an award-winning Premier League podcast. Join the conversation away from the show on the Telegram group, which you can click the link for in the description of this podcast. Join for free. Come and join the conversation. We've just been talking about the biggest falls from grace in the Telegram group and no doubt Luton's rise from the non-league up to the Premier League has been certainly a topic of conversation. So come and join us there. Links to our social channels are in the description as well. Next, we're going to talk about some of the other results from last night. Big win for Arsenal. We touched upon it briefly in the previous section, Joel, but beating Nottingham Forest 2-1 means that they keep pace in the title race. Only 24 hours ago, we were talking about rumours of Mikel Arteta potentially leaving the Emirates Stadium, but
0: that's what they need to do. Beat teams like Forest, keep themselves in the picture. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't look like this Liverpool team are going to drop too many points. I mean, they've only lost one game all season, which... When you look at them, you'd be thinking, "Is that? how is that even true? Because I've not been massively, massively impressed with them, but they're being consistent, and that's the thing that Arsenal need to probably get a bit better at this season. Because compared to last season, they felt like they had way more momentum in their play, their results. And don't get me wrong, of course, they're still within the title race, absolutely. But it, it just seems like sometimes they're really vulnerable to just take a little loss or a little draw here and there. And I think this season, it actually might, it'd be to their detriment if they keep doing that kind of thing. But these are the games that they need to keep drilling out and keep getting victories from because last season it felt like these sorts of fixtures, like Forest away and Fulham away, they felt like they were just winning 4-0, 5-0, 4-1 or all, all the time and it just felt like a formality. But it seems like now they're really having to grind out results and you know what, that actually might be the signs of a title winning team because sometimes it's not pretty. Going to these teams and just getting a pretty nice nasty result, and then going into the next game. But I think for Arsenal, especially with you know some of the injury concerns that they've had lately, and the fact that Liverpool are still so f- quick in terms of their momentum, they just need to keep within touching distance of them, and also watch Manchester City, who two games in hand on them. Of course, they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna leapfrogging them within about two or three games, and they're gonna be the ones to chase. So almost similar to how Luton are going to be seeing the season they're just going to be looking at thinking we need to be within at least three points of these two teams by the time it gets to May if we're going to have any kind of
1: chance of winning the league the only thing for Arsenal Marley is that they've now played 22 games whereas Manchester City are three points behind and have two games in hand Liverpool also have a game in hand but that's tonight against Chelsea they're two points ahead so in terms of the way things need to unfold for Arsenal they're going to need a couple of slip-ups elsewhere but it's the same thing as what I've just said to Joel and the same thing that you always say you've just got to stay in
2: it and hope that that happens yeah exactly um just keep plugging away I don't think they um they weren't fantastic last night against Forest, but they they turned them over in the end and got the breakthrough it took a little while but it, it was always looked like it was coming um and yeah just you know Now's not the time where you've got to be at your peak. January, you know, you've just got to grind it out almost and and keep on not losing any any distance between you and the and the leaders. Um, and that's what Arsenal are doing right now. I think I'd probably argue that Arsenal are playing playing better football than Liverpool. I would say, um, as you know, Liverpool are still sort of finding their best form. I I would say. Um, but Arsenal, Arsenal just need to keep in touch and see what happens when when you get to the uh, the twitchy period of of March going into April and then you're sort of looking at the last eight games and seeing who's got the favourable run in and what have you. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, just important to keep winning right now. And they did last night, eventually got the breakthrough with Jesus, putting one through uh, Matt Turner's legs from a bizarre angle. We should never, ever get beaten by. Um, from from there, it was crazy, and then Saka turning up with a right foot pile driver, which you don't see too often. Um, and then uh, there was even time for a, a little breakdown with uh, Zinchenko and Ben White after full time. If you've seen that, I had a little spat and a little push and a well, in the words words of Carl Froch, a little push and a pull in the um, <laughs> on the pitch, which was bizarre, uh, especially as Zinchenko was somehow arguing when it was his mistake that allowed Forrest to score. But that's another discussion for another day, I suppose. Um, but important thing is Arsenal got the win um, and they keep up their, uh, their title challenge, I suppose.
1: They beat Forrest, Joel, who'd be slightly concerned about relegation now, if not even more so with that potential points deduction lingering in the background. We still don't know the situation regarding that or if that will happen and if it will happen, when it will happen. So at the moment, they can only go off the basis of what they have, which is 22 games played, 20 points. Another team that were at risk of potentially being sucked into that relegation fight was Crystal Palace, who hadn't been in great form. There was that banner that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, unfurled in that 5 nil defeat against Arsenal, kind of criticising Steve Parrish, the Palace chairman, Roy Hodgson, the current manager, who we expect to leave at the end of the season. They do have some good players, though, and one of them is Michael Elise, who scored a cracking goal on the half volley to help Crystal Palace seal the three points with the three. To 2 win against Sheffield, he's the sort of player that will be attracting interest from big clubs. And when I say big clubs, I mean the elite clubs in Europe, because he's got all of the attributes that you would want. He's young, he's dynamic, he's got this kind of arrogance that you kind of warm to. The sort of player that your club should probably be looking at trying to sign.
0: It feels like with Palace, they always have this kind of star talisman up front, which seems to bail them out, which means they finish between... Tenth and twelfth every single season. It was Zaha, and now Zaha's almost passed the throne onto Elise and uh, Eze, and there'll probably be someone coming up through the academy soon who will then take the baton off them too. And it's just a never-ending cycle. And then Roy Hodgson will be there till he's a hundred, still trying to get them out of trouble. But um, yeah, I mean, he's he such a good talent. There's a reason why, for example, Manchester City been linked with him alongside uh, Eze as well. Who got two last night and. Um, I was just mentioning before, I think if anyone's seen the video of him where he's got a foundation in the local area of Camden where a lot of kids get involved in sports with him. And the way he comes across, he just seems like such a a nice, grounded professional, someone who genuinely like, wants to work hard, likes football, not the type of, you know, the prima donnas that we see because he's only a young guy as well. And he just seems to have his head on his shoulders. And I think for any team that comes into him, because if you're going to pay 60 million for someone, you need to make sure that they're also a good person, a good professional. And obviously, he nearly got his move to Manchester City in the summer, which didn't quite materialise, but 100% in the summertime, there'll be so many big clubs circling around him and I think the best thing for him is that his output's starting to improve massively. Maybe it's because he was under the shadow of Zaha a little bit in the past, but he's now taking on that mantlepiece and starting to come into his own and dictating games. And that's where your value just goes exponentially, doesn't it? So this summer, I, th- I can see him moving on. But, I mean, it feels like he's quite happy at Palace, to be honest. So I don't even think he'd be agitating to move. He doesn't seem like the type of guy to me. Yeah, you do wonder if he went to
1: Manchester City, as Joel referenced there, Marley, whether he would be getting as many games, you'd hazard a guess. at No, he wouldn't. He's going to get more game time at Palace because
2: he's more important to Palace. To be honest, so are both of them, Elise and Eze. Yeah, I think um, Elise. You know, he nearly got the move, and he was probably it was probably at that point where he was like, "Oh, hang on." You know, if if Man City want me, and then there was there was talk about Chelsea hijacking the move as well, and and wanting him. Um, and it's that that. Time where he's probably realised that yeah, um, I can play at a higher level. He might have been suspecting it anyway, but until you get the concrete interest, then you know that you know people of people fancy you and, and you're away uh, whenever you want basically. So, um, he is you know it him and him and Eze are just everything to Palace. I think Eze is it's just I think he's a ridiculous football. I think he's absolutely brilliant. Um, the way he's just... He, my favourite thing about him is he, he plays the game with a smile on his face. He just plays like he's having fun. Not in an arrogant way, not in a, like, I'm going to embarrass you type of way because I'm so good. But his touch and his, his dribbling and his, the way he uses his body and his technique is just incredible. Um, and I, I'd look at him and think, if, if Palace is finishing bottom half every year, you know, a top six side is going to come in for... for Eze is absolutely just a matter of time, and if they take Elise and Eze, then Palace have got to work out how they're going to spend that money because it's going to be a hundred million plus for the pair of them. You know, maybe even one hundred and fifty if they can if they can get their sums right and hold out for for a big big fee. Um, and they've got to reinvest that because we always talk about how do how do Crystal Palace go forward if they keep getting their their jewels taken from them. And you use the money that the jewels bring. If you can get 120, 130 million, that for, for Crystal Palace is huge. Go and sign another you know, another couple of midfielders and a striker that can get you fifteen a season rather than Mateta and, and Edouard chipping in with six or seven or eight each. You know finally you can finally get rid of Jordan Ayu, who's a decent player, but he's a squad player. He's he shouldn't be starting every week. Jordan Ayu, he's not he's not that sort of guy who can can sort of threaten somebody every week. Um so we'll see if they can go forward after it because, you know, these two these two in without sounding disrespectful to Crystal Palace, um, they're they're better than Crystal Palace. Um and, you know, Eze's in the England squad now and you don't get too many players playing for Crystal Palace and England. It's uh it's um it's one of them. Where I think they've got to move on.
1: So Crystal Palace with a big win do wonder sometimes don't you when they slip out of form whether they'll be in a relegation fight but they always seem to be okay don't they crystal palace perennial 12th or 13th place finishers and no doubt they'll finish absolutely smack bang in the middle of the table again this season right some more premier league games tonight to talk about we'll preview the best of them after this see you in a minute Final part of today's Football Social Daily. Premier League games tonight include Manchester City against Burnley, Spurs against Brentford and Liverpool against Chelsea. Anfield was emotional in that first home game after Klopp announced he's leaving at the end of the season. That was in the FA Cup, a convincing win over Norwich. Slightly tougher task tonight against Chelsea. We'll get to that shortly. But first, Newcastle United upset the Aston Villa apple cart yesterday with a 3-1 victory at somewhere, which is... Proving increasingly difficult to get anything, and that's Villa Park. A three-one win, very impressive considering where Newcastle United are in terms of player availability, in terms of mentality, in terms of confidence. So to go to a Villa side have been absolutely flying, particularly at home, and get three points. That's a big result for your team,
2: isn't it? It is. It is. um You know, they've. I don't know what the the run was in the end. Um, they've of consecutive home wins or unbeaten at home since, you know, I think it was it getting on for like 20 plus games or something. I, I'm not quite sure. I can't remember the start, but, you know, we, we turned up there and had a had a game plan and, and it worked sort of perfectly. Um, you know, Villa have beaten, I have to remember a few, um, was it last month when they beat City at Arsenal in the space of four days, both at Villa Park? Um, and at that point it was like, our Villa in the title race? And at the time, as I always said, they were because they're not they're not out of it, so they've got to be in it. Um, so to go there yesterday and and come away with a three one win on top of the five one win on the opening day of the season, you know it's eight eight goals to two in the in the two games we've played, and that's for me. This it was a bigger thing for me um, than just a, a win over Aston Villa. It was proof that. You know this this Newcastle side has been has been written off a little bit with oh you know, they're out of Europe and they're in, yeah they've got injuries but I think people were like oh well you know they thought they were going to be up there and um sort of had a had a right to finish in the top six and look what they're doing this season they're tenth and they're falling off and they're scrapping with Chelsea and stuff like that in in mid table but f- for me if we play once a week. That squad is as good. It's the it's the squad that finished fourth last season and was, I think, Man United pipped us to third by a point or two points or something like that. So it's the same squad. So it it can do the same things. It's not, um, we haven't lost loads of players to, you know, to other clubs. It's not like they're not coming back. Um, and for me, like the tactics and the questioning about Eddie Howe is, is bizarre to me because if we have the, the players there that give the depth, or if we haven't got the depth, but we're only playing once a week, we're the same team as we were last season. So for me, yeah, of course we can go and beat Aston Villa. We beat everyone in the league last season, minus Liverpool, I think. I think Liverpool was the only team we didn't get something off. So we're, we are, we're up there on our day type of thing. Just when you're playing every three days and in, in the Champions League and you get the injuries that we do, that's what... That's what's hamstrung our first six months of the season really. But to still be in tenth in the fifth round of the FA Cup, um and with the league being pretty tight, it's not exactly like we're tenth and fifteen points off fourth. It's it's fairly tight. Um and we can still do something this season which which can be great. And if he looks in, like it was last night, I mean Jacob Murphy misses from two yards and manages to score an own goal off Alex Moreno, who then dives <laughs> goes sliding into the post. I think, you know, you know when you look in when that kind of stuff's happening. So maybe it's uh, starting to change a little bit for us. In terms of Aston Villa, obviously disappointing to lose
1: that incredible home record, Joel. But they are going to lose games because they're not at the level of an Arsenal, Liverpool or Manchester City. They are going to be in the top four race. I think we can all pretty much hang our hats on that being the case. And I suppose it kind of puts an end to any Villa are going to win the title chat. Um, which we kind of knew was a bit tongue-in-cheek in in the first place. But it's important, isn't it, that they don't get too demoralised by a defeat to what is ultimately, as Marley says, a pretty good Newcastle side on the day.
0: Yeah, it's still going great for Aston Villa. I think when you start getting up to those dizzy heights in the league, your mind and imagination starts taking away with itself in terms of what could be. Because I think Leicester almost started that kind of dream back in 2015-2016 when you're around those places at Christmas time or above and you start to think is this actually going to be the case by the end of the season but it's just so competitive at the top that I think it was always going to be a bit of a pipe dream but to be in fourth place and still in the FA Cup and they got Chelsea the replay which I, I, I expect them to win to be honest Aston Villa this is it could still be a really good season for them And even if they can get a Europa League spot, just being in a top European competition next season or there or thereabouts, I think it'd be such a success for them. And I think for Villa fans, although they might be disappointed to feel like it's starting to fade a little bit, that's what happens when you come up against these absolutely huge monster teams like City, Arsenal, Liverpool at the moment, who've got depth coming out of every single area. And they've been there and done that. They know how to attend to these kinds of campaigns where you need to keep on the momentum so I think for Villa honestly I think their fans should continue enjoying it because they've got a good uh, crop of next games coming up which are all winnable you know against the likes of Fulham, Nottingham Forest, Luton, uh, Tottenham potentially and Man United I mean they could easily get points out of all of those games I think so It all is not lost. Right let's focus on tonight's Premier League games then
1: speaking of title races Manchester City Take on Burnley. A lot of the build up to this game is focused around Vincent Company and the fact that he was talking in his press conference about the bus that Burnley will get on to take them to Etihad Stadium will actually go the wrong way around the ground, which means he won't get to go past his statue outside the Etihad, which uh, <laughs> it's quite a strange situation for someone who's not even 40, I don't think. To uh be a manager of another team in the Premier League and have a statue outside the ground of Manchester City, the the current champions. Um but what a remarkable career Vincent Company has had and what a remarkable season he had for Burnley last year, Marley, when they won the championship with over a hundred points. But this year in the Premier League, it looks like they might be back in the second tier again in a few months' time because they are drifting further and further away from safety, and you'd imagine that would be the case again tonight against Man City.
2: Yeah, I think it could be a rough one <clears throat> for um, for Burnley tonight. I think um, the one thing you've the one thing but um, Company's done at Burnley is completely changed the style, and he did it so quickly. Um, you know, Burnley for what best part of ten years were four four two up to the big men, win the second balls, and and threat from set pieces and stuff and within one season burnley turned into an 80% possession based um side with sort of electric players in a different system and completely changed the uh, the scope of what they what they were doing and that's testament to company but what he's finding out this season is the the levels in performance c- compared from the championship to the premier league is just just a huge huge step up and when you go away to man city um, there's no bigger lesson I don't think than than that because City will City are, are the final form of what Burnley want to be. If you think about company, for the last what eight years of his life, he's he's learnt that City way. He knows he wants to get Burnley to to somewhere near that level. Um, All he needs is a state to come and back them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not uh, what's he called that. Is it JJ Watt, the uh, the NFL guy who's yeah, yeah. Uh, in charge there? I mean, not sure how deep his pockets are, but not deep enough to compete with Man City, I don't think. So, um, it might be a lesson for for Burnley tonight, but ultimately, it's not the games against Man City that are going to keep you in the league. It's the games, the games in the uh, in the teams in the bottom half that are going to keep you in that uh, in that division, and they need to start um, improving and picking up points because. It hasn't been great so far this season for them. I think as well, you've got to imagine how the
1: Burnley fans must be feeling, to be honest with you. Um, Proper up and down, isn't it? Like one season you're dominating, the next season you're dreadful and without a chance of staying up. must be really hard to deal with as a supporter. Uh, But that's the emotional drain that football can place on you and that's why we all love it. All right then, so it's Man City against Burnley, but Liverpool have got an arguably tougher game. Well, no bones about it. It is a tougher game, Joel. They've got Chelsea... Although Chelsea haven't been great this season, but against the bigger teams, and you've mentioned this a couple of times on FSD this season, Chelsea have turned up for the occasion. They beat Spurs, for example. I know that Spurs were down to nine men. They got a 2-2 draw against Arsenal and they were 2-0 up in that game. And off the top of my head, in those bigger games, they have been tougher to beat. It's the ones that they've got against Brentford and Palace and Fulham, for example, that they seem to struggle in. So how do you think they'll fare tonight against the Liverpool side, who, of course, will have the emotion of Jurgen Klopp's recent announcement that he's leaving.
0: Yeah, Chelsea have had a bit of a tag over the years of being the party spoilers, haven't they? Especially at Anfield, if everyone remembers that very infamous game with a certain Denver bar. But I think with this kind of game and the situations that both clubs are in, in terms of the context, this Klopp situation, well, all we can take of it is from our Norwich game, which was always a formality in terms of the result. But I'm really interested to see how it's going to be in a bit of a high-pressured, Premier League game because it can also go two ways as well. I feel like there's been a lot of press around, for example, Virgil van Dijk having to come out and clarify his comments about if he's dedicated to Liverpool at the moment and just all this distraction, needless distraction. And I know that Jurgen Klopp knows that it was coming and it was almost unpreventable, to be honest, because I mean, it's such huge news. But Chelsea need to almost try and strike a little bit as well. Try and punch the wind out of Liverpool's sails. Because if there was ever a time for Liverpool to slip up and it'd be probably the worst thing for them, it's probably now. Because they are a little bit vulnerable in terms of their emotions (laughs) with Jurgen Klopp announcing that he's departing. So for, for Chelsea, I think it's a really good opportunity at the same time. But the reality is Chelsea haven't been great in these last few months and it's going to take an absolutely monstrous performance, a disciplined performance, to get any kind of positive result, I think, tonight. Liverpool at Anfield, pretty much never lose, Smarley.
1: I know it's such a out-there comment to make that a football team never loses, but
2: at Anfield, they are so difficult to beat. Do we give Chelsea any chance? I, I wouldn't write Chelsea off, um, purely because I never know what Chelsea are going to do. <laughs> I don't know. I, there is big performances in Chelsea. Um, you know, I, the the players they've got, if they gel, they're as good as anyone. Like that that team, one 11 could challenge for the league. It's not a bad team, you know what I mean? It's not a a team that should be where they are in the league, but they haven't gelled at all consistently this season, you know. But they've got players that can hurt you: Sterling, uh, Cole Palmer, Uncu, Caicedo, Enzo Fernandez. They're all. Quality, they're all quality players, so you can't really you can't write them off. But obviously, they've not been at the level where they've consistently turned teams over. You know, they they struggle. They tend to play to the level of their opposition too much. Like if they play a poor team, they'll play poorly, and you know they might get shocked. Um, but when they play the better teams, you know the game against Man City four four at Stamford Bridge was an absolutely just a humdinger of a game. Like it was just end to end goals everywhere. And why why can't that happen at Anfield? You know what better way to to take the sting out of Liverpool, where you know the the playing on the whole Klopp thing and and all the rest of it, and using that as as momentum. If you can take that away from them, that that'd be huge, and it'd be really really big for Chelsea in their sort of start of the second half of the season um, to go to Anfield where nobody ever wins and win. Like what what better way to get confidence for the rest of the season? Uh, and for the um, the Carabao Cup final as well. Liverpool against Chelsea
1: tonight. Big one in the Premier League. And we'll talk about all of the games from tonight on tomorrow's edition of the podcast, which I believe is transfer deadline day as well. So... We'll keep a close eye on some of the deals that are simmering away tomorrow morning for you. And you won't miss the podcast if you hit subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast channel. Make sure you do that and you'll never miss FSD again. You can also keep in touch with us on social media. The links are in the description and the link to the Telegram group is there as well. So come and join the chat away from the show. But from Joel Marley and I, that's it for another Football Social Daily. I'll speak to you tomorrow on FSD. See you then. Wolves Express is a voice work sport production for Wolverhampton Wanderers.